Welcome to another episode of Nourishing Ideas, the podcast where you meet people hungry for solutions to the different food challenges our world are facing. I will mainly focus on the people connected to the food industry somehow, but every now and then other interesting persons will be heard. My name is Hans Hallingen and I'm very curious of people that want to make a difference in a sustainable way in, and I love food. If you like this podcast, I would love to hear from you on Facebook, Nourishing Ideas, or via mail. Have a look at the homepage, nourishingideas.se. If you also would like to donate any amount of money, please do so on patreon.com forward slash nourishingideas. Thank you for your support, big or small. Today, I'm talking with Fleming from Stedsons in the Woods, a restaurant in the deep forest of Småland in Sweden. Picture a calm lake, the sun is gazing down and some flies fly around, a little bit of shooting and a small gust from the wind that's the frame where this interview took place. As simple as the place where we sit, as simple and as beautiful is their philosophy around running the restaurant Stedsons in the woods. Before the woods, they were on a rooftop in Copenhagen. The transition from a big city to this place in the woods went through a Kickstarter campaign that was a success. But from that to really being able to start and invite guests has been a roller coaster ride. But now they are on the move with all the ups and downs that's always in the calculation of running a business. And without a lot of help from friends and volunteers, it would never have been possible. But they do have a tribe that they're willing to help, and that's a start. Not only for the restaurant, but also to spread their philosophy of food, sharing and doing good for humans and our surroundings. You will hear Fleming's story from cooking at his brother's restaurant, just cooking good food and learning the craftsmanship of cooking, to finding out his way of doing it. And it's all narrowed, narrowed down to the quote of Leonardo da Vinci, simplicity is the ultimate solution. You will also find out some of Fleming's passion and what makes Mette and him a great team. But also on how to create an excellent team so everyone where everyone feels a great joy of going to work every day. Now it's time to listen to Fleming. Relax a bit, take a deep breath and enjoy. Welcome to the show, Fleming. Thanks a lot. Uh, I start out with a question like uh, I want to hear uh, a bit about a highlight moment in your life as an entrepreneur and that made you feel really great and strong and I think um, the highlights um, as an entrepreneur is um, that's when you build up a team of people where you are just having fun when you work you on flow the systems are running you're having fun working and um, it's not hard, it's just being with good people, doing fun stuff. Then you can actually work many hours a day and just go home with more energy than uh, you actually came with. And, and I think that's the thing that uh, I really try to do with everything in my life, to be in flow. Absolutely. And uh, when you build that up and, and you create these situations, it's, uh, you're just having a good, very, very good time. How many restaurants have you started up that you have been creating these teams? Um, I would say uh, now, here in the woods, uh, we 
uh, close to being there in in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, team wise. Team wise, yeah, team wise, and knowing how to find where to find the the knife, uh, and that's close to the cutting board, and mm-hmm. you're not you don't walk too many steps around, and and we have a very very good team around us now that is fun and who yeah we have a good time together and we share the same ideas and values and uh i did it on the on the rooftop restaurant too mm-hmm. it was just a, a a party going to work uh and and our staff said it you know it's they didn't consider it going to work they just considered now hey now we're going to have a good time with fleming or meta and so um so these two places we did for sure i mean there's been there's been moments of course uh, before we did it but like continuously and and in that uh, uh, that that uh, if uh, strong that's on, on the rooftop restaurant and what we're doing now uh, here as well. So I mean, every restaurant you learn something more and became better and better, I guess. So yeah. what what made you want to do that How, in the rooftop, for instance? How long did you have the rooftop? We had the rooftop restaurant for for two years. Um, and um, I I like uh, simplicity a lot, and um, and creating a, a kitchen, an outdoor kitchen uh, with very few facilities, and uh, in an open kitchen where the guests could see everything that happened. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, that shows the whole philosophy uh, in the kitchen as well as, as on the plate, of course. But here you see both parts of it, and um, you know the the kitchen culture is normally very sick, uh, yelling and throwing with plates and all that. And to me, it's always been schizophrenic. You come from this kitchen where people are violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go on the other side, and then there's classic music, white tablecloths, and you come and present the food with this uh, virgin, uh, serve this with her, or pick, pick this uh, this morning with her left hand. It's going from one world to the to the other as a waiter, and it, it it's crazy. So here you could show uh, a, a different way of doing it, and uh, and you can only do that when you do things simple instead of complicated. So what made you decide to take another level in this restaurant thinking that you have from the rooftop to the woods? Um, I mean, a part of the decision was not our own because uh, the rooftop farmers they uh, they. Uh, uh, they they wanted to do what we had done, <laughs> so mm. they kicked us out. Uh, so, but it has this is a ten years long dream that, of course, has evolved from the beginning till now. Um, and um, I wanted to grow uh, myself, mm-hmm. uh, learn how to grow. I always uh, find my biggest inspiration from uh, farmers. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, the the closer to nature I am, the better I feel. Uh, that's of course the obvious is the food, uh, eating natural, but it's also you know, our brain is producing dopamine right now because we look at something green. 
uh, we breathe air with 30% more oxygen in it and mm. um, uh, the smells, the sounds, uh, I mean everything is calming and nice and it's, uh, yeah, so, so I want to, I always felt good when I was in the forest, so why don't live in one? Yeah, um, about the, the food that you serve, how, how do you approach like a carrot that you're going to serve? So it's, a, it's a carrot when you pull it up, what, where and when do you just decide what to do with it? <laughs> um, I mean, you, uh, it's it's um, we try to do uh, as little as possible, but enough. So, uh, so I think uh, when you just pull a, a carrot out of the soil, it's uh, so full of vitality. I mean, th that's when it's alive, mm -hmm. and, uh, and 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 I want to give as much of that on the plate and of course you can <clears throat> uh, you can uh, make it sweeter by giving it temperature and stuff like that so you can do some stuff but you also need to think about how was it when it was in the soil uh, so when I when do I decide what to do with it um, mm, of course we have a lot of experience uh, and I guess intuition is uh, a, a mix of creativity and experience and and, and, and all that so um, I can tell uh, when we I haven't worked with uh, pike and freshwater fish uh, before we moved out here mm -hmm. it's you know in Denmark uh, the, the lakes are not so big so it's we think that the, that pikes taste muddy but it's the lakes that are muddy because they're not big enough so when we got the first pike here um, I wanted to uh, my, my brother-in-law is uh, he's a food journalist and he said I just interviewed the the guy who is the expert in cooking on fire and uh, I just uh, did it last week and he, I know exactly how to prepare this fish and he wanted to wrap it in aloe foil and mm. blah 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 and I was like no I don't want to use aloe foil in this and I insisted and he insisted and then in the end you know it's my forest so I said yeah yeah I, now we do it then you can always uh, make fun of me afterwards mm. and uh, I just Put it straight in the, in the embers and kind of covered them, tot covered the pike totally in embers. I didn't even put take off the fins or the scales or anything. And it was beautiful. And it will it will be a classic here. And it will be a signature course here. And what I said afterwards was, you know how I knew how to do this because I've never seen anyone do it like mm -hmm. that before. I said, the pike told me. <laughs> so of course I love saying that, <laughs> but. Um, but so I think that intuition thing, I don't know where it comes from. It's, it is experience and all you've learned and read and tasted in your whole life. And, and the willing to explore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Curiosity. The willing to make errors too. So when you put up the, what was it, six courses dinner? Yes. Uh, when, when do you decide what to put on the menu? Do you have a every day different or depending on the week yeah normally we have the same menu for the week it can differ a little from day to day if mm -hmm. we have if there's something amazing coming in it's just for for one day we'll we'll put it on the menu but um in general it's the same these two days opening days we have every week um and we decide two or three days before and and uh, the process is we uh, we go out in the fields and see what is talk to the butcher see what it is i mean it's very small butchery so so uh, we cannot just call and say hey, we want 20 kilo of that or this we need to ask what do we have and then uh, 
we so so again the inspiration comes from our suppliers or from the fields and uh, yeah but how do you build up the the menu so it gets yeah you know, whatever do you have a special theme that is growing in taste or yeah you would uh, you would think the wine pairing a lot into that so so yeah you want to go you see, say stronger and stronger, heavier and heavier mm. in, in, in the courses, and then of course it with the sweetness. Um, but you would think a lot in the wine pairings into that. Wait, I, I would like to serve that wine before this because else it will make the next wine taste differently. Or so, um, yeah, like that. And then, uh, I mean, I uh, the, when, when we put a course on the menu, it, it should taste really, really good. And it should be easy to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it only tastes good, but it's not easy to make, it, it doesn't come on the menu. Because I to to have such high vitali- vitality in the food, it needs to be simple. So uh, Leonardo da Vinci said it: simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And I I agree with him. Unfortunately, he's not the one paying my bills. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you grow to that awareness about food to be as simple as possible when? Everybody else use molecular gastronomy and stuff like that. Mm, not everybody does. Uh, in Italy, they don't. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't have so many Michelin restaurants. That's also why it tastes better than the French, which is the Michelin stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I uh, Michelin, Michelin, and and and, uh, and I, we we don't share sense of quality. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually comes from my brother who introduced me to the restaurant business okay. 20 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, of course it, things developed a lot in, in, in 20 years but at that time it was the farm to table restaurant in uh, in Denmark and uh, and the, the the base philosophy is the same as he taught me back then. We we were a group of people from you know a lot a lot of fancy restaurants. We went out eating together all the time, and I could just see, you know, they had spent so much more money uh, on on, on uh, cooking this and uh, so many more hands and uh, higher rated. But I, I could also just see my my brother's food tasted better. So um, so uh, that's where I learned that actually. Mm-hmm. Or made made you curious about the restaurant business then that made you continue I love good food I love uh, good wine I love uh, hosting meeting people in that way you get an, an immediate response uh, I like the 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 way you work in a team uh, I like a lot in the restaurant no it's not I like a lot working with food. I really don't like the restaurant business because it's so tough and it's so, you know, dependent on other people's critic of you and all that. Uh, so I really don't like the restaurant business. Uh, it creates a lot of egos or attracts a lot of egos. Um, but but we have we have found a way where we can uh, do what we love without all the other stuff. And it's actually mostly because of social media. We, we can, uh, we, we are very independent on uh, food critics and and all that we we can create uh, our own universe and and do exactly what we want. That's very unique, and that's because Meta is so good at that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Kickstarter campaign that you had, that I mean, you had a lot of 
people yeah. backing you up pretty fast. Yeah, we we have uh, we have a lot of very very loyal uh, uh, guests. Um, Was that from the rooftop or? Further. Yeah, and from from our veggie store too, and uh, and also from my old restaurant that that I had from 2002 till 2010. So uh, yeah, so we 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 really have uh, you can almost call it a tribe, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing, and um, and and it's it, it's fun with that uh, crowdfunding campaign because um, we lost a lot of money on our veggie store and are still paying off a lot of money every month. Um, so if I had gone to a bank and said I have no money, but I have a crazy idea, I want to start a restaurant in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I know what they would have said. So um, so I didn't even ask. <laughs> I had too many notes from those people. Uh, so and I didn't know about crowdfunding three years ago. So mm. it's like totally new economy. This 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 project had only would only uh, it, it, it only became something because of crowdfunding and because of a lot of volunteers coming up here to help. Mm-hmm. So so it's really, really beautiful how you can do do uh, stuff like that. And you can see that, say that we have built it all uh, without any debt. So, um, so and, and death is a bitch. So, yeah. yeah. Makes you do the wrong things at the wrong time if you're too much debt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the people that come here are the mo- people that you've seen before in the restaurant or in, in the rooftop and coming up here or is it new people mostly? We have a lot of uh, people who, who we've met before. I, I think uh, now we've only been open for like seven weeks. I would say somewhere between one third and, one, uh, and 50% of, of our guests have been in our old restaurant maybe just once, maybe many times before. Um, but of course, we we have a lot of Swedish guests too, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has been a, an objective from the beginning. I didn't want to make this a Copenhagen project where we just place a Copenhagen restaurant in, in, in Sweden. We want to have a... I mean, this is our home. We want to have a... a, a yeah, a, a local base too. But I mean, it's it's also people who fly in from... Uh, yeah, Friday, last Friday we had one flying in from Hong Kong to eat here. Last week we had one flying directly in from San, San Francisco to come here. Just for this? Just for this. That uh, so that, that's when you kind of need to t- 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 go yeah, dip your finger in the sauce once again, <laughs> an extra time. <laughs> and then you know social media works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly yeah. Word of mouth, so everybody knows about you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I talked to you yesterday, you didn't you, uh, react a little bit when I say sustainability. Um, how, how would you say you? I mean, to me, you look very sustainable. Uh, is that something that also grown through the years? Yeah. Where the food comes from and. Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't grow up uh, being paying any attention to sustainability uh, and uh, not at all actually um, but when we had the veggie store I mean we uh, and the, the the first 
13 years I was in the restaurant business. It was only taste. But when we had the veggie store, we, we uh, picked the best raspberry supplier, the best carrot suppliers, the best green cabbage uh, supplier, the best supplier of everything. And we could just see that all our veggies were biodynamic or organic. So, uh, so that was like, hey, what tastes better is better. Uh, and, and at the same time, we uh, through a, a very good friend of ours who is a very, very thorough person. She's a dietist and she, she studies a lot and only on sponsored, uh, previewed uh, science. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, you always eat so healthy. And we have many, have many uh, long talks and read a lot of books she recommended since then. And, and to me, it's clear you can just you can change the world tomorrow just by eating a good meal. Uh, it's a win-win-win situation. It's not uh, crappy to be on a diet, or uh, it's because you shouldn't go on a diet. You should just have a change your lifestyle. So, so um, yeah. So, so yeah. Back in 2010, I, I would say that was a turning point. Uh, that's when still sense became. You can call it political almost. Would you say it's becoming some sort of mission for you to give people the knowledge? Yeah, or the, the the taste of it, so they know it. Yeah, but the change is always ours. But uh, at least there's a f seed that you can yeah water a little bit. Exactly. If people can bring a little bit home from here, then I'm happy. Mm -hmm. If they can, if they think, uh, I feel very good now, and if if they start reflecting, why do I do that? And uh, we just come up from the restaurant and saying goodbye to some guests, and you know they talked about uh, growing their own food beginning yoga again uh, and um, not that would that I, I don't do yoga but I guess I should one day mm -hmm. but I mean um, I, I think we inspire people in a very positive way here um, and, and show instead of talk um, so for sure that is uh, yeah I mean uh, what did they say five handshakes from from uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, thanks. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 yeah. It can change very fast. Yeah. It can. But do you see it's a, a movement all over the place, or have, it, have the last couple of years, or yeah. is it just islands that's happening, or is it a bigger movement? Do you think it's on its way about this kind of growing food and. Uh, it's a growing movement, yeah, it is for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, one idea that occur occurs in uh, China today uh, can be uh, uh, done in Sweden tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, things go very, very fast right now. And you can also see it on, the, on, on a lot of uh, the restaurants in Copenhagen have understood now that, uh, that uh, food is not only food. Um, but it's at the same time it's, it's uh, it also goes the other way that's the thing it doesn't go in between it's either uh, crap or uh, beautiful uh, there's no that, so, so stuff is being split and then the problem is that 95% uh, of it is, is, is crap but uh, it can change very fast um, 
So, but a bit is fun. I mean, uh, during uh, or right after the Second World War in, in the U.S. with the Victoria Gardens, where people they grew their own food because of poverty and uh, broken logistics and stuff like that. That was when uh, the health was uh, the best ever in the U.S. Um, so, and I mean, our grandparents all had a, a, a veggie garden, mm -hmm. and now we uh, grow a bunch of parsley in our <laughs> yeah somewhere, and we Instagram it and get a thousand likes. It's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's fun that way. Um, well, what kind of people do you want to uh, do you hire when you how do you? pick them so you get this team that you talked about in the beginning what's the most important thing the most important thing is the energy the energy yeah everything um, else you can learn or, yeah yeah exactly and again we cook so simple uh, so so I, I can teach the person with the right attitude and the, the yeah the right energy to cook or to serve but it's really, really hard to uh, to to change a very skilled chef uh, who doesn't have the right energy. So I want to surround myself with people uh, who who make my day great. Mm -hmm. So how do we find these energy people? I mean, if you ask my wife, she would say law of attraction. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, if you don't believe in a law of attraction, you should come here because it's crazy how many... We just think a thought and then the right people are standing here next day. It's crazy. Um, but, but of course, uh, people who, who want, uh, who, who want to, to, do, to make a difference or to, to live in a, an environment like this, they, uh, they contact us. There's also a lot of people contacting us because of the hype, mm -hmm. and I really don't like when people come here for the hype. It, it, it's never good. What's the hype about you? That you're <laughs> in the woods? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good Instagram account. <laughs> yeah, a lot of followers there. Yeah. Is there anything else then, except for for? The, Making food simple and taste really good, and uh, and um, and the team that you work with that really makes you passionate. Oh, can you say that again? Sorry. Is it anything else that makes you really passionate about doing what you do, except for growing a good team and making this simple food? Is there anything else that your core value or something like this? Yeah, I mean. Um I'm, uh, I'm 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 really passionate about uh, about uh, you know thinking out of the box, creating uh, a new way of thinking and 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 uh, and doing it. Uh, and out here in the forest, it's uh, it's the perfect environment for that. I mean, we 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 are. Um, this is one of the most remote places in Europe, mm. and it's still uh, only two and a half hours from Copenhagen and less than two hours from Gothenburg, and then there are all the other uh, smaller cities around. Uh, that it's extremely cheap to live here. Um, I mean, this seven-hectare forest costs half or one third of a villa in, Co uh, in the suburbs to, to Copenhagen. Mm. 
so um, so of course now it's been in, we've just been through a very hard uh, building phase and and stuff like that. But but um, once we are settled and 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 also already now, um, we 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 don't need to. Uh, right now we work very hard, but 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 when yeah once we're settled we we don't need to work that much much actually. And I would I I, I love to live in a, a place where I can actually get a crazy idea I get a lot of crazy ideas and have a 60 square meter workshop in the barn mm -hmm. with a lot of tools and uh, a lot of nice material around me and a lot of crazy people who can actually uh, use those tools around me and then we can see if it works and uh, sometimes it does actually and and um, I actually I would really love this uh, this this whole uh, thing to develop into a uh, prefab house where you get the heat from animals like we did in the old days actually mm. and uh, you recycle water to the plants and um, yeah just put a, a prefab house into any suburb in in the world and uh, and and uh, get a very very high degree of self-sufficiency i think that's actually the the a very very beautiful solution to uh, most big problems in the world from meaningfulness till sustainability to health to being independent on uh, the Rothschilds and Rockefellers and, and all that. So that's one of your things you want to make a difference in this transmission a uh, transformation to another world or to a better world. Yeah. yeah. Doing it in a, in a in a fun way not in a in a we it's not like it, it's abundance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's fun, and it tastes good. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, have fun on the way. Yeah. Uh, compared to to you, what's Meta's strengths in in this process? <laughs> Meta, she can take a, an old uh, plate that she found on a flea market for nothing, and a curly napkin, and take a picture of it, and it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's uh, she has a very special talent when it comes to that. Um, but she, uh, another thing is that she can understand very complex um, um, stuff and make it uh, easy, understandable. So, uh, I mean, permaculture, for instance, yeah. uh, which for sure is one of the very big solutions to all this. Uh, for me, it's, yeah. Maybe the solution on everything. Yeah. But it's um, and and we didn't invent permaculture. There's a lot of people who has worked with this for many years and who are very 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 good at it. But what we can do is we can make it sexy. So we can uh, and especially Meta can uh, communicate to a totally different uh, kind of people than uh, than than normal uh, permaculture people can. And and that's uh, that's a very very important thing. How do you spread permaculture to the big industry? Is it possible to make it big? No, it's not. It's not possible to do it very big. Mm -hmm. uh, so we shouldn't go that big. Um, for instance, if you if you want to, I mean, the the big problem for uh, for kales and cabbages that is the 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 butterfly that comes and lays its eggs and its eggs and um, the leaves. And that creates larvae, and they eat the kale, and then you don't eat the kale yourself. Mm. Uh, so, but, but but actually, if you just grow it in your own backyard or on a, uh, on, a, on, a on a in a small scale um, on a small scale farm, 
Then you can just uh, surround it with uh, chicken wire. Then the butterfly cannot fly in. Uh, so it's a mechanical uh, barrier, mm. uh, but it's hard to do in uh, in the in the cornfields in uh, <laughs> somewhere in the states. I would take a lot of chicken net. <laughs> but do we need that much corn? Yeah, we don't. <laughs> or do we need that much meat that uh, yeah. the corn needs? Yeah, exactly. Use? Yeah. So when you pick, uh, example, <coughs> uh, meat, how how do you pick out uh, the thing that you want, or the the animal or? What's the base? Uh, I mean, in Copenhagen, it was uh, as good as it gets. Uh, it was um, when it was beef, for instance. It was from uh, milk cows. Old ones. No, from. Uh, I mean, when we could do that, that is what tastes better. Mm. They're the best. At it. I mean, old milk cows. Uh, it's like it's real beef. It's uh, old and tastes good. But uh, and if you get the males, then it's not affordable to have them that long time unfortunately uh, it is but if not the way we not people are not willing to pay that much money for no, exactly. that's crazy yeah um no but the thing is that the males of the milk cow breeds they live a very very short life because uh, they grow too slow to make it profitable mm -hmm. to uh, to raise them so normally they lay, they only have uh, a day or half a day to live um but uh, some farms, they actually take these uh, guys and put them out in uh, grazing and raise them. And like everything else, uh, like the apples and we have up here, the, the, the fish and the shellfish we have up here, everything that grows slower tastes better. And that's the same for, for cows. So when we see these traditional big meat uh, breeds, uh, like, like the Hereford and the Limousine, it's not because it tastes good, it's just because it's cheap, the food to meat rate. Uh, a lot of muscle wise. on the yeah. one animal. Yeah, exactly. But the, the smaller ones actually taste better. So instead of taking this poor calf and just uh, killing it on day one, then they just live a happy, happy life out in the, and, and eat natural grass instead of corn. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they're shot in the field, so they only have one bad second in their life. Um, so, so that was the ultimate. Here, it's an organic farm, and it's uh, with their own butchery. They're under under, uh, under the development to be uh, to become organic. So, um, so it's it's really good, and they they are interested in doing better. Uh, they kind of changed their approach uh, the recent years, and I think we can help them them with that. So, uh, so there's no like no animal transport and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it's really, really important. But of course it's important that it tastes good too, because else if you serve meat that doesn't taste good, then uh, then you don't inspire anyone. But most meat doesn't taste good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because it's fast bread. Yeah, yeah. And everybody gets used to it. Yeah, and exactly. Don't, don't, they don't know what and then to look for. Yeah, and that is when you need to spend a lot of time on making a good sauce or gravy or whatever. Uh, so it's so difficult to cook with uh, bad ingredients. Uh, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I don't know how anyone think they can. Would you say that the top chefs, at least a lot of them, are leading the way in, in making food a better place, uh, food or the, uh, how to grow food? Like Matthias Dahlgren went over to a vegetarian restaurant, is two-star and uh, Magnus Nilsson 
Färviken På um, Var det pushing? Ja, jag tror faktiskt att det finns mycket konsens I restaurant business today about this thing at some restaurants at least I think it's uh, I don't know uh, that, that's a I mean <clears throat> the restaurant business uh, also attracts a lot of crazy people that's for sure in in the in the I, I love crazy people but not that kind of crazy <laughs> people um, you know 10-15 years ago, uh, it was the Ilbui style of cooking, where you eat something that looks like a fried egg, but then it's a carrot with some kind of white powder that looks like looks like Coke, mm -hmm. that gives it a certain consistency or whatever. <clears throat> and in that kind of in that way of cooking uh, ingredients, I mean, you could buy your carrots in the cheapest supermarket; it wouldn't matter because it, you you didn't take any of the qualities of the, the ingredients. And it's many of the same chefs who uh, who became famous doing that shit, um, who are famous today as well. And now they just see another trend and they go on that thing. That's not real. Um, but I, I see a lot of young chefs uh, appreciating the good ingredients and and and. Uh, <coughs> you see Christian Fuglisi from Raleigh in, in Denmark. It's a it's on the, the yeah was 50 best list and, and all that uh, they have their own organic field and um, and are uh, yeah more than 90% organic today and so so I think that a lot of chefs have actually realized that good ingredients taste better and 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 seeing that uh, hey there's something here uh, that that needs to uh, to be told to the world and not just for the PR thing, but actually because I mean it. So I think there's a change, but there's also a lot of, I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, it's very diverse, I think. So if a person would come up to, to you and ask for advice, how, what should I think about when I start a restaurant? What would you say? And not cook, cook, cook simply. Cook simply. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would say don't go into the restaurant <laughs> business. <laughs> um, yeah, cook simply. I mean, uh, and 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 not even people who want to start a restaurant. Also, uh, our guests. Uh, I mean, if you use good ingredients and if you overcook or an undersalt or whatever, it will still taste better than the than, than the bad stuff. It will always be good. Um, so uh, use good ingredients and do as little as possible, but enough. To what, the, what's the best advice you ever had? Um, I don't know what I what I come up with right now is uh, listen to your gut feeling instead of your head. Mm -hmm. um, if your gut feeling is not right, then it's not right. Um, um, you can think that you should do it this and that way or whatever, but if or people who has a strong influence on you can recommend you very strongly to do something like that. 
but uh, it, it, it always turns out that if you follow your gut feeling, it's the right choice, and if you don't, it's the wrong. Uh, yeah, I think we have our senses to to uh, to navigate. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, follow your heart, or your gut, or whatever it is. <laughs> you have any quotes to live by, or? Um, uh, yeah, Frank Zappa. Life is like a parachute. It only works. Uh, no, uh, sorry. Your mind is like a parachute. It only works when opened. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Um, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Dalai Lama got a lot of credit for that, but I actually don't think it's him. No, Gandhi got, but I yeah. don't think it's him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really believe that um, um, be the change you want to see in this world is, uh, is, is very powerful for me because <clears throat> instead of being frustrated about corrupt politicians and uh, neoliberalists uh, paying corrupt politicians mm -hmm. and all that stuff, uh, when you focus, to, you should know that it's, it's there for sure. Uh, but if you focus too much on that, that kind of takes the power away from you, and it's just it just becomes a frustration. But actually, if you start looking at your own influence sphere, then you will actually see that it's meaningful what you do, and you feel empowered. And you will also see that your influence sphere grows a lot. And I see that. Uh, I mean, I, I I can tell about all my crazy perspectives of life and uh, crazy ideas, and people listen. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can so uh, and it's and it's a ni very nice feeling focusing on focusing on stuff you can actually influence. So so um, and I also think that's that's where the big change will come from if it comes. That is when we start taking responsibility of our own actions. Exactly. And, yeah. Do you have anything else do you want to add that we haven't talked about? I want to clarify anything about Stetsons or your... Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we, I can say that moving out here in a, in a, in a, in a forest, uh, as I said, it gives a lot of um, um, possibilities uh, because we can have animals here without asking anyone. Uh, there's plenty of space so we can experiment with growing a lot of stuff and, and, and it's cheap to live here and all that. Um, and I really uh, think that uh, thinking totally out of the box, questioning all paradigms, and uh, we do it as I told you before, we, we, I think we have reduced our water consumption with 90% of what would be normal for this place already now. Mm. Uh, and if I had told that to anyone before we start this, they would just say, you're crazy. Uh, so so uh, questioning all paradigms and um, and actually we, we had a visit from the food authorities uh, three, four days ago. And they were very, very impressed, thinking that we uh, they could see that we have had thought hygiene into all processes, standing here in an outdoor kitchen and serving six course dinners. Um, because here in Sweden, you actually uh, say, "Hey, it's uh, it, it's thought through," it's, and they can document that they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. In Denmark, it would be 
Is it legal? Is it illegal? I couldn't. I, it's not legal to have an outdoor kitchen in uh, in, uh, in 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 Denmark. They actually closed my old kitchen, and as I told them, uh, they just closed the most healthy kitchen in Denmark. Um, so um, so think out of the box. Don't listen to uh, authorities. Listen to your gut again, and 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 check things out. Don't take take anything for granted, and and then create your own opinion. Because uh, I think that's what's needed for, on, on a personal level, to have a good life and, of course, to, to solve a lot of important questions. How often do you do that? Do you have a regular that you, would, you do it every time you think, uh, questioning yourself? No, of course not. I'm sure that I'm stuck in a lot of old paradigms too. <laughs> But I think I'm, I'm extremely good at it compared to, uh, to most people, yeah. So what's your next big step here in in the woods? Um, this is an ongoing process. This was not done in ten years, hopefully not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, uh, yeah, uh, um, the, the the next very big step is creating. Uh, we we took down two uh, old barns. Uh, they were taken down, being taken down, but we. Uh, We took them down in a in a in a way so we could actually recycle or upcycle uh, uh, the skeleton from from these barns. Uh, one is 10 meters high, the other one is 12 meters high, and they cover 750 square meters altogether. And um, we want to cover them in, in in glass, so we're actually creating a huge greenhouse 30 meters from the from the lake. Um, and we'll keep the forest floor down there, and we'll let as many trees as possible grow through the roof and within that we'll build uh, the restaurant for I hope it'll be ready for 2018 and we'll create our home in there as well and that's a big experiment in uh, what we call the third space which is not indoor and it's not outdoor mm-hmm. it's not a heated room but it's, uh, it's protected from wind and we get some solar heat when the sun is shining not here in the summertime because <laughs> the leaves are taking all the sun but that's not when we need it we need it in the winter time yeah And uh, yeah, in this part of the world, it will be very, very interesting to see what can you grow in uh, in a space like that. Uh, and uh, you can get a lot of sunlight in your eyes during the even during the the the, the dark months. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, that 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 is the that's a big project, and I hope we're ready in 2018 for that. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in between that is also pretty big but but that is like um, I'm very very excited to see that uh, coming up yeah that sounds great yeah well thank you so lo- a lot for your time Fleming thanks for listening <laughs> thanks for asking <laughs> <laughs> with this in mind I have to come back and do a follow up because Because there is so much in the pipeline and I want to see and hear more about that. But most of all, I want to taste it. I hope you feel as inspired as I did. And to listen to someone that has a clear focus of what she or he wants to create always fills me with more energy. The place they have built having Bohult, Småland, Sweden is a beautiful place. And the ideas they are filling it with are beautiful. 
Not all people like people that has a strong idea of what is good for all of us and for our future and not just following in trends, but stick to what they believe in. Hopefully awareness of what is really good for humans and the environment is the trend that more people find worthy following, so the ones that has the energy all the way can get the recognition they deserve wherever they live in Sweden or somewhere else in the world. To continue believing in what will work for mankind over time is necessary so all of us, other sinners, can learn and do a transition to a greater life. So if you want to help me build this podcast and listen to more ideas and the person to execute those ideas that make this world a more sustainable way to live on, spread the word on nourishing ideas to others and also, if it's possible, give some money via patreon.com forward slash nourishing ideas. Until the next time, ask yourself at the end of the day, what are the three things that I'm most grateful for today? Focus on the next small step that will take you closer to your goal and take it right now. Thank you for listening to Nourishing Ideas, a podcast for healthy and sustainable ideas that you can eat. (laughs) 